Welcome to Tice Talks, where we discuss all things faith and family. And today is a special episode. We are really interested in having you as our church family and those that are our listeners to really understand the importance of Christian education. So we invited Mr. Roland and Stephanie Rasmussen, who have been principals together for the last 30 years of a Christian school in California. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Faith Baptist Church, correct? That's correct. And we're and uh, and it's Faith Christian Schools. Is is that correct? Faith Baptist School. Faith Baptist Schools. Good. We're Liberty Baptist Schools. So so that's great. Well, I'm so glad that both of you are here, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. We just would like to know your story. We'd like to know how God has used you. Uh, now, you, uh, Roland, are the are the administrator of the elementary school all the way through the through middle school, and then you are in the high school. Stephanie, is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm actually the principal of the junior and senior high school. Junior and senior high school. Great. So we just would, uh, we are advocates of Christian schools. I came back to Las Vegas. Actually, I I got saved as a um, junior in high school, and I wanted to give my life totally to the Lord. And when I went back to public school, I thought, man, this is hard, living the Christian life in a public school. I really wanted to serve the Lord, but I had this peer pressure to do all the wrong things that I was doing before I committed my life to the Lord. And uh, I thought, man, there should be a Christian school. In fact, I thought, I thought this, I thought it was my idea that nobody had ever thought <laughs> of having a Christian school with Christian teachers and with Christian students could go and there'd be positive peer pressure to do right instead of wrong. And so I thought, man, that's a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to, to start a school and I'm going to come back to Las Vegas and start a school. That was my purpose. And then uh, I began to learn about the local church and decided we'd come back here and start a local church and then out of that church uh, start a school. So tell us, just uh, feel free, just tell us your story. Well, the story of Faith Baptist School begins before I was born. It begins uh, really my mom and dad and, and oldest two brothers had just moved to the Canoga Park area. My dad had been called to be a pastor there in a small church, about 30 people. And uh, my oldest brother, Mark, was in the public school kindergarten, and he was coming home singing um, other religious songs like Happy Hanukkah at Christmas time. And my dad was talking to the administrator of the school about if they're going to learn, you know, a Jewish um, holiday song, what about Christian holiday songs? Mm. And at that point, the principal said, well, we have no control over what we're teaching our students. It comes from the district, and we have to do what the district tells us to do. And he just felt that being a prompt of, I have to do something about Christian education for my children and the children in the church if they don't have that, um, you know, opportunity to even learn in in a balanced way in, in the public schools. And so the story of Faith Baptist School began in 1963. Oh, wow. And uh, wow. so it's, we're celebrating our 60th year. My mom and dad started it with 77 students, three grades, kindergarten, um, wow. first grade, second grade, and then started adding, I think, two grades a year. And uh, I started, you know, when I, when I was born, one of the things they did to help recruit teachers is, is provide child care, hmm. um, nursery, um, you know, free education. And so I started in the nursery at two weeks uh, at Faith Baptist School um, going back to 1971. So you, you truly are life. an expert. <laughs> I've been Christmas. at Faith Baptist now for 52 years. Wow. 
<laughs> well, tell us about your. How did you and Stephanie meet? Well, that story begins at uh, in advanced grammar, English, and composition class uh, in college. And uh, I was so romantic. <laughs> I was getting a C, which mattered to me. I didn't want a C, and I, I spoke to our professor, uh, Dr. Chapman, and he let me know that Stephanie was pretty much acing a class, and she'd be a really good resource for me to talk to. And so uh, I She's reached been out a to resource her. for the rest of your life, <laughs> <laughs> at least. Yeah. Um, and so we met in the Commons to talk about. Uh, English and help. Yeah, you were at Pensacola Christian College. That's, yeah. that's correct. And uh, we never spoke about advanced grammar. We, we started <laughs> recognizing things that we had in common. Uh, unfortunately, she was already dating someone else. So I, I pursued her with great effort for about a year and a half <laughs> before she finally said yes. Uh, but when she did, we were able to uh, progress in our relationship, get married, and literally we came to California right after we, our wedding and started teaching our first year wow. uh, in marriage and been working at Faith Baptist Schools now for 30 years. Wow. So both of you uh, got degrees from Pensacola in teaching. I was an English ed minor. She was an English major, and I, we had different secondary teaching fields, but our, both of our, our undergraduate degrees are in uh, education. Okay. Wow. And where are you from, I'm originally from the hills of West Virginia. Oh, really? So moving to California was... Um, culture shock? It was culture shock for me, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's amazing. I brought my wife from Pennsylvania. She had never been, never been on this side of the country before in her life and never seen what a desert was like. And it, <laughs> it was culture shock for her as well. I can only imagine. You then both started teaching at Faith Baptist. Yes, sir. So for the first couple of years, um, I taught English. He actually ended up teaching sixth grade and uh, didn't know it at the time, but that really was his first love of teaching, was teaching Hmm. elementary students. And the first year after teaching, we both went back to Pensacola, and they used to have a program where you could get your master's in two summers. And they've discontinued that program because Hmm. it was was quite the feat to do that Mm -hmm. in, I think, 14 weeks. And so we, um, we got our master's after two years, and then a few years later started working in the administration there at the school. Okay. Wow. wow. So we have a few questions about why you would personally say, hey, you know, why not public education? Or why, you know, why specifically would you say, hey, this is important for your child to get a private Christian education? I'd say the first thing that comes to mind, and and it's not just a subtle or even a preference, but it's something that I think Stephanie and I would both, we'd quit our job. Uh, We we would change. We'd relocate if it meant that our children couldn't go to a Christian school. We just, Hmm. it became that important and that maybe urgent or serious to us. And, And that would be, first and foremost, the, the, the worldview that's being taught in the classroom as far as, you know, is it through an understanding of who God is, mm. what the Word of God teaches, and our responsibility on how we, how we handle that, uh, the information that we've been given by God. And, and then having Christian uh, teachers who understand the mission. It's not just a Christian school and that it has Christian curriculum but a mission to reach the hearts and minds Mm. of those students with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the gospel and only the gospel that changes a life uh, in a real dynamic and powerful way. 
And, and so having Christian teachers who look at teaching in a Christian school as this calling, as a ministry of, of these lives that are in my classroom are a responsibility entrusted hmm. in, into my care for me to steward and for me to to point to Jesus and that they may see who he is and why he died on the cross. And so, so that um, just understanding from those teachers, and then you have the unfolding of that ministry where those teachers now, it's not about a, an eight to four o'clock job, but it's about a relationship where they get to influence, at, be again, as they've accepted Christ, mm-hmm. how to disciple, how to build them. And, and, and so watching that and then having enough of a worldview of what's going on around me to realize there is a very different agenda of what's being promoted in secular schools that is so contrary to what the Word of God teaches, that is so against the the redeemed life of uh, the, the the saved life, the the rescued life, hmm. in that literally I felt like public schools in so many ways were like serving the enemy to destroy, who's yeah. walking about as that lion to destroy lives. So for my wife and I, when it comes to valuing Christian education, I say it's like something like like we would sacrifice everything hmm. to innate, allow our children to be in a Christian education, not just for what they receive, but for what they were protected hmm. from with those unnecessary darts from the enemy. Wow. wow. I love your passion. And that's, man, I wish we could just pour that passion into the hearts of all Christian parents across yes. the country. Hmm. Because, I mean, it is, and, and, you're in Southern California. I mean, this is the Los mecca Angeles. of the woke, mm-hmm. uh, the woke culture. And man, what you are standing for and also standing against is just amazing. You know, something my dad said over and over again is you be true to who God's called you to be. You raise that standard high, you wave it, and people who are drawn to that standard will come and mm. rally around you. And, and, and in many ways, that was an encouragement to his sons is to, to not cave to every whim and pressure that's, you know, you be true to who God's called you to be. And you won't be alone because if you hold that standard high, people will come to that. Wow. I love that. I love the fact, too, that you have, you have strong standards, you have convictions, you're standing for truth. But at the same time, there's not an, a, heart, a heart of Phariseeism. There's no condemnation. There's no um, uh, there's uh, there's a freedom and a, a love for the Lord that's there. I remember years ago hearing Bob Jones Sr. quoted as saying, "Look, we're not here to condemn anybody. We're just saying this is our flag and this is who we are. We're not changing who we are." I really appreciate that. Have you faced any um, pushback? I mean, you are in L.A. County, right? So have you received any pushback for what you stand for or for um, just I'm just thinking of like even with COVID go, when it happened, like I'm, I'm I don't know how you guys had to open back up. I'm sure super slowly like we all did. But I was it was it different for you guys or has it been different since COVID? 
I think during COVID, obviously, was a very trying time for anyone in education. Um, I think especially Christian education. Um, we had the Los Angeles Health Department on our campus 12 different times oh inspecting us. And so, you know, as Christians, as believers, you know, we, we believe very much in, um, you know, being submissive to authority, and, and that would include our government. Um, but there, there came a time in the midst of all of that where, you know, some of our religious liberties and our, our constitutional rights to educate our children, it seems like everything you'd ever been taught was being questioned. Mm-hmm. And so um, the Lord was very good. Um, he was very faithful. Um, our enrollment actually grew substantially wow. um, during and through COVID, not at the very beginning, uh, but I think a lot of that was just the community's response to what was going on in our local schools, where their hands were really tied. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to start in, I guess this would have been the fall of 2020, uh, we were able to have school on campus legally with about 620 students. Wow. And um, it was a kind of a, a unique setup. We had to, it was a daycare. We had to get permission to operate it, and we couldn't teach in person, we were teaching from the room next door, but we didn't put students on computers. We wow. put teachers mm-hmm. on big screens with surround sound, wow. and we had a teacher in the room. And that really made the difference in the quality of education. Yeah. And I think it was the largest daycare operating in the state of California. Oh, my wow. goodness. That's amazing. God was, he was very faithful. And it gave us so many opportunities just to reach families that yes. I don't think would ever have been able to hear the gospel, except for the fact that there was a Christian school operating and yes. uh, servicing those children. That's what my parents always creative. say. They, but the COVID, they are like, we've seen more people saved and so many churches growing through all of the COVID mess. People that wouldn't have come to church are now what got interested. They were like, this world's a mess. We need to find some answers. I'm reminded that it, in the in the Old Testament, it was God that sent plagues. We look at we look at COVID and we say, oh, this is terrible. Look what the devil's doing. No, God's in control even of the devil. Hmm. And he is he the Satan is nothing but the unwilling servant of the Lord. And we need to remember that. And he I don't know how many wonderful things I have heard. I mean, I hated COVID just like everybody else, but uh, it's wonderful things that have happened out of COVID. Uh, and um, God uses those things to, for those who love him and those who are the called according to his purpose. So that's amazing. Your creativity in studying that, what, what gave you the idea of putting the, the, the screen and the preacher or the teacher in the other room? Well, we had actually, with two taped together measuring tapes for that six feet of social distancing, had created a plan to have every student, all 1,200 of them, back on campus. And it was, uh, I want to say, about two weeks or so before school was to start that our governor came out and said, hey, we're not going to allow any in-person no. teaching. And so that just absolutely through a, a wrench in our plans. We didn't take any of the PPE. We didn't fire any of our teachers. So we went to work. What is a wow. what is the next best plan that we can come up with to protect and preserve what our students will learn? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to do everything our, in our power as educators to not sacrifice the education of the children. And I can literally say what we were able to do 
minus the science fair, the spelling bee, and the speech contest, we did every single curricular assignment wow. that we would have done in a regular in face-to-face in person. So so it was very people intensive, you know, but we were able to keep those people, you know, in, employed. We had a teacher in the classroom. They're not allowed by our governor proclamation to teach in person, but they can assist. So we'd have the teacher on screen. Okay, students, stand up. We're going to start mm-hmm. reciting this or doing this together. So the teacher in class would be facilitating oh that goodness. education. Okay, class, stand up. So the teacher on the screen who's next door with a good microphone, a good camera, a good and, – and so they're interacting with <sighs> these students on screen as well as the it, 40, 50 at home at the same time. Yes. So it was – Many, many challenges, but it was just this, a lot of teamwork, wow. a incredibly willing and dedicated staff who says, hey, we're with you. We don't want these children to lose because of what's happening in our culture mm. around us. That's oh, yeah. so good. Now, we want to switch gears just a minute because you, too, have three adult children, and they are all in full-time Christian ministry somewhere. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We have three children. Um, Our oldest is a missionary to Peru, and Jacqueline, she's married to Mitch McCormick, and they have two beautiful sons, uh, grandsons of ours, and one on the way. And then our second oldest, Jonathan Rasmussen, uh, married uh, Whitney Lewis, and he is Tate Thronson's assistant pastor in Castleview, Colorado. I met him when we were there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's Shane's daughter. That's Shane's daughter, mm-hmm. yes, sir. All right. And then our youngest, you might have met him. Yeah. He is. He just graduated from Pensacola Christian College with his ministerial degree and is actually headed back for his master's in Bible exposition. Wow, that's just so neat to see people who have served in ministry for all their lives together and their children still wanting to desire to be in ministry. Could you, would you say anything if you'd said, hey, to those that have kids in ministry, you know, that are living in ministry that are listening, what is something that, let me encourage you with your your own children to really do, you know, maybe consistency in life? What is it that you would suggest? I think something that's resonated with both my wife and I over the years is the idea of rules without relationship is going to lead to rebellion. Hmm. And so really maintaining the relationship with um, our children, maintaining that understanding of why we have this rule, you know, even, you know, when they were little and, and we believe doing it God's way is the best way. So we use biblical spanking, but before every spanking, I could, you could ask my children, what would I ask them? Hmm. And they would say, if I love you, what do I have to do? Hmm. And that was based on Proverbs 13. Just, you know, I, yeah, I have to spank you. And, uh, and and that question would be asked and they would understand why a spanking. Um, and and not, just, not just the rule, you know, also I think something that we both um, learned so important is, is not to discipline out of anger. You hmm. know, not that you're not ever going to get frustrated or angry, but don't allow that to be attached to the discipline or hmm. even the rules. Um, but the relationship and then the understanding of why we do this and and also understanding that we don't have to agree with every rule. Hmm. Um, but but if we're under authority, we can submit to that and not make that a mountain that that is worth dying on. Yeah. So so even though, you know, because my wife and I have always worked under authority, not been the sole authority, whether it's pastor, you know, my dad and then, you know, my my pa- my brother, Tim, Pastor Tim. But we've worked under that authority, and 
found a place of, of safety, of just comfort in submitting to that authority hmm. and, and not having to defend everything. But those are two things that came to my mind. I think r- relationship is is certainly the key to that, but it's also the key to our walk with the Lord. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of parents being very authoritative as, you know, as parents, that's our God-given authority, but God has given us an entire book to explain and reveal himself to us. And so just taking the time to explain and from the word of God, you know, why we do what we do and, you know, what's the difference between um, God's law and what he expects of us. And perhaps sometimes in ministry, there's things that we do that aren't necessarily, you know, um, there's a scripture and verse for this, but we're going to do this, but explaining why we do mm-hmm. those things. And I, I and I think just being authentic with your children to the point where I can't lead or couldn't lead Jacqueline and Jonathan and Andrew to a place where I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And just in, in serving the Lord, there's so much joy in that. And letting your children just see that there's there's joy in serving Jesus and letting them do things with you, but then also having that downtime where you protect your family. Hmm. And, um, you know, we can look at a Christian school with 1,200 students and 125 staff members, and and maybe we could see some success there. But if we had failed as the parents of those three children, hmm. I, I would have I deemed as failures. And that our children are our greatest assets and our gifts from God. And um, just being prayerful and um, any disagreement we ever had was behind closed doors hmm. and uh, and being willing to apologize and make things right. Because as parents, you know, we, we, we're going to mess up, hmm. um, but just being willing to humble ourselves and, um, you know, go to those children and make things right. Um, it was a joy to serve God and to raise three children in Christian hmm. ministry. I, I, I tell people the only regret I think I have is just not having a few more children. And so over the years, um, I think God knew our hearts. Uh, We've had, I believe, it's more than 28. I think we're we're over 30 at this point, just different children who've come to live with us. And um, how God has just put so many children in our lives whose parents maybe couldn't care for them, Um, you know, not in an official fostering capacity, but uh, we have many who call us mom and dad Mm -hmm. that we did not give birth to. And um, it's been a wonderful journey. And wow. so even though the kids are gone, they're out of the house, we've kept the the big house with the five bedrooms, mm-hmm. and there's typically someone in at least one of those other rooms. That's great. I love that. They just they just outlined my entire book. You need to read my book. <laughs> the book is called Raising God's Kids in Sin City. I, yeah, it's amazing. You can get that at davidtice.com. That's exactly right. <laughs> Maybe we can get Stephanie that, to read it. Yeah. <laughs> He said it also eloquently. That's amazing. I we I have really really enjoyed hearing uh, what you guys said about children and raising children. I I could travel around the country telling people that uh, if you've read, you don't even have to come to my seminars. You can just listen to this. <laughs> tell your friends to listen to this podcast and listen to this part of the podcast because that was really really great. That's terrific. Um, one of the children she mentioned, we was just on one of our last episodes of Tice Talks, and you can go back and listen to that. It was an interview with the McCormick family, and they truly, when we we went out to visit your children and the ministry there they were so hospitable we it was just a blessing to watch them 
go around living their lives in ministry and seeing them with their kids in tow everywhere on the streets of Peru. And then in their home, they invited us in at least five or six times for dinner, you know, feeding 20 of us. And I mean, it was just, it was a joy to get to know your daughter and see them serving together. So... And that's why we're taking you out for yogurt after this. (laughs) Oh, we are? Good. I'm coming. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to get in contact, if people wanted to get in contact with you about, you know, learning more about maybe they're starting a Christian school or they're, I'm assuming you probably do seminars at different Christian schools and help people learn how they should do, you know, to come up with the idea of what you did during COVID, that's incredible. Or uh, if you live in the uh, Canoga Park area, if you if you live near uh, in LA, near that's near Hollywood, uh, and you want a, you want a good Christian school to uh, enroll your children in, um, how would they connect with you? I think a good way would be um, first of all our website, and there's um, response you know where you can ask for messages or contact us. It's myfbs.org. So myfbs.org would be probably the easiest way to get a little uh, information and contact with you. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having us. We've really enjoyed this today. So thank you. This is Tice Talks. And it's more than a conversation.